Alright, here we go. Got a little Christmassy music playing softly for you guys in the back around. Uh, this is Panic Attack with Big John on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And it is on Rumble Americana, the American way. And on Parlor, I parlay at the real Big John. So, uh, as I alluded a moment ago, I uh, watched World Wrestling Federation's uh, TLC pay-per-view. No, not tender love and care. Tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh my! I think that was the catchphrase the first year they did TLC. And uh, really only had two TLC matches on the card. Which was, I, I mean, I guess I understand. They don't want, you know, if you, if you gimmick every match, it kind of gets old. And, uh, you know, the... It loses its luster, you know, because, um, you know, frankly, everybody's going to try to upstage everyone else, um, and you can only go so high on that, that rung, no pun intended, without uh, it getting old and burned out. So, they led off with a TLC match, and they ended with a TLC match, uh, or no, they ended with a... Firefly Inferno match. Um, of course, Firefly Funhouse is what Bray Wyatt calls his uh, Mr. Rogers Neighborhood on Crack uh, segments. And, and I, I knew this match would be interesting. I was expecting a theatrical match. Like he did with uh, John Cena at WrestleMania. Uh, and, and I know the creative mind of Bray Wyatt is like amazing. Uh, Wyndham Rotundo, Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, whatever you want to call him, is a genius. Uh, people said when they saw him, I think it was. Florida Championship Wrestling, and then it became NXT, or it may have already been NXT when he joined up, but whatever. When he would cut promos in promo class, class, the other students in there would be like, what the heck is he talking about? But whatever it is, it's genius. So we'll get to that later. I was watching the pre-show... And, um, it started an hour before the pay-per-view, which, I mean, I guess that's okay. They had time to kill, I guess, I don't know. Um, there was a match on the pre-show that I slept through, which tells you how good the pre-show was. And, uh, this was my thoughts of the pre-show. I'm going to use a thick lighter to light this dang thing. Play with my cigar. So, my thoughts, here's, here was the pre-show panel, okay, you had Jeff Jarrett, cool guy, some chick, Booker T, and some guy. Uh, the pre-show panel was interesting because the only thing that was interesting about it was uh, R-Truth came out and did a little skit where he wanted to be Asuka's tag team partner. And he's... Uh, because he's been 
24-7 champion 45 times. He has the most title reigns of anyone in WWE history, or WWF history, or WWWF history. More than anyone in wrestling history, period. Uh, that was the highlight of the pre-show. The one thing I noticed about the pre-show, um, <laughs> just go go watch it, just, just so you see this little nuance. I don't have anything against this young lady that was like the host. I don't know her name. Might have been Kayla Braxton. Might have been Tony Braxton. Might have been Braxton Carter. I think he was a safety for the Denver Broncos 20 years ago. 30 years ago. Braxton Miller. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Might have been Charlie Caruso too. She was cute, but... In order for everyone to be the same height... You could tell they had her chair raised all the way up because you could see her from the waist up. The guys had to lower their chairs all the way down. And all you can see of Jeff Jarrett and Booker T are their, not, not even really their chests. You can see them from the shoulders up and the other guy that way. Jeff Jarrett was like this the whole time. It looked like a midget playing a piano. Because, like, he's like, dude, I'm lower than the table. If I put my hands down, people think I ain't got no arms. <laughs> Whatever. They, they had to do that for the wide shots, the camera angles, so that the lady would look... Uh, so they could fit the lady in the picture with the guys. I, I don't know. But anyways. So the lineup was Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. For the world title and a TLC match. Um, these are my pre-show thoughts. I said uh, Kevin Owens will carry this match. Uh, Roman is good to watch. But he, he needs to needs a clean win but uh, Jay Uso will help him and Jay did get to that in a minute Firefly match Bray Wyatt the Fiend's creativity will steal the show it'll be a theatrical match it turned out not to be a theatrical match so it was a live match uh, in the ring AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre for the World Heavyweight title um, it was a TLC match as well. Uh, I said Drew sells better in my pre-show thoughts. Drew sells better than anybody since Hulk Hogan. And I've gone down this uh, bunny hole on YouTube with uh, old wrestling matches from like the real early 80s, 70s. Um, some of Hulk Hogan's very first matches as champion and previous when Hogan was um, a bad guy and he was managed by Freddie Blassie. Something people don't understand, Hogan had the theatrical side of wrestling down. Like the, he could sell and he would sell uh, until he made his comeback and he would, you know, make it look, make you think he wasn't gonna win. He'd be crawling around that ring stumbling clinging to the ropes. I saw a classic match with him as a heel versus Bob Backlund. There was no, wasn't, there were no high spots, no high flying. There were a lot of, you know, holds, headlocks. Now they call them rest holds. Back then they just called them wrestling holds. Uh, but it, it was just a great match. And Hogan sold. And Drew McIntyre does that too. He makes you think that the bad guy has him beat so bad that he is not going to win. And then, of course, he wins. But I, I predicted Drew would win that match. Carmella versus Sasha. I said that Car uh, Sasha would carry Carmella to a good match. Um, New Day versus the Hurt Business. New Day will make it the best match of the night. Yeah, I was a little wrong about that. 
The women's tag title match I said I didn't care about. I still don't. Um, but it, it turned out to be a pretty good match. My problem was they have two throw-together tag teams. You have Asuka, who's a great singles wrestler. She's the women's champion, as she should be. But they just throw her into a tag team. Well, why did you split up the Iconics? Uh, why did you split up Fire and Desire when you, know, you were going to have a, a big push for a women's tag team division? Uh, women's tag team champions. We thought there would be a women's tag team division, but Vince doesn't like tag team wrestling. So you've got one women's tag team champions and they go back and forth between SmackDown, NXT, and Raw, but it's hardly been utilized or defended. So anyway, the first match, the curtain jerker match, I didn't understand that, but it was, uh, I don't understand why this match went on first when it could have been the main event. Uh, <clears throat> it was Drew McIntyre and AJ Styles. Um, AJ had his big bodyguard almost at ringside. Uh, AJ went to work on Drew's knee right away, you know, take the big guy's knee out so he can't stand, he can't climb the ladder, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Drew worked over AJ's back, and yeah, I think um, AJ's such a great seller, such a great worker, that I start thinking in the match, man, maybe AJ really does have a bad back. And I'm thinking to myself, man, his whole career in like, Ring of Honor, the Independence, Japan, you know, were all, uh, he was all about high flying, high risk, high reward moves. And people said, yeah, yeah, AJ Styles does this, AJ Styles can do that, but is he going to be able to walk in 10 years? It's now 20 years later. He's still walking, he's still doing a lot of high risk, high reward moves, not quite as much as he used to, but he doesn't need to because he's a great wrestler. And I think he's still the best wrestler out there today, in my opinion. Some people will say Kenny Omega. Uh, I say AJ Styles, but it's close, close, close. Um, so The Miz comes out, cashes in his money in the bank, and it becomes a three-way world title match. Now this happened at a point when AJ and Drew were both hurt. But really it happened because they just needed to get the Money in the Bank briefcase out of the way. It's been, it's been hanging around almost a full year. Um, so Miz starts to climb the ladder, almost gets in the ring, almost is AJ Styles' seven foot tall bodyguard. And I like what they're doing with Almost. This is how you introduce a character and get them experience while they're still new, still green, is by you know having them manage, having them do things outside the ring and learn the business and slowly work them into the ring. Uh, and Almost is very, very new, although um, Undertaker's been working with him at NXT, per the Performance Center. I'm sure other people are working with him too. So he yanks uh, Miz off the ladder. John Morrison grabs a chair, shatters a steel chair across Almost's back. Almost is totally unfazed, and then he stalks the uh, John Morrison all the way back to the dressing room. Uh, so then Almost is taken out of the match. Uh, from then on, you know, it was a three-way fight. Good stuff, you know. Everybody climbed the ladder super slow. <coughs> it ended with Drew McIntyre. Uh, well, AJ and The Miz were on one ladder, fighting out, fist fighting at the top of the ladder. Drew took the ladder that was next to it and used 
one ladder to push the other ladder over. He climbs the ladder, retains the world title. It was a good match all overall. Next segment was uh, Paul Heyman backstage being interviewed by some woman. I don't know. Um, either Charlie Crusoe or Kayla Braxton. And he's the best hype man in the business. He talked about you know, how uh, Roman Reigns was going to you know, kill Kevin Owens and blah, 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 woof, woof. And it, Paul just is so good at building a match. It's no wonder when he ran ECW, he could get the wrestlers to walk across hot coals. Next match was Carmella versus Sasha Banks. And for the first, like, couple minutes of this match, all I could think is, why is Carmella, Leah Van Dam in real life, with that dirty, tattooed loser, Corey Graves? Uh, she's independently rich, and she moves to Pittsburgh to be with that loser, who walked out on his wife and kids when... His wife stuck by him. They were separated before Carmella got in the picture. But the wife... I'm, I'm a stand-by-your-woman man. I'm a one-marriage, one-woman guy. That's why I'm not married. Uh, but I guess he had had so many concussions. And he was an up-and-coming star in wrestling at one time. But so many concussions led to depression, led to alcoholism, led to suicide attempts... And his wife stuck by him. And then he walks out on her and his kids. And Carmella took some heat for that. People called her a home record. No, Corey Graves is just a dick. Okay? But anyways. So, um... Carmella is very much underrated as a wrestler. And as a character. Uh, Fat-ass Nia Jax. You know, disses her all the time. That she's just there because she kisses up to Vince McMahon and she's pretty and uh, she, Carmella has always been that way. When they were at NXT, she always uh, hung out with the trainers, the, the bosses, the top people. So Nia's basically jealous of the, the prettier girl. But Carmella can work. She's a great heel. She was a great baby face. She's very entertaining as a worker. And Sasha Banks can carry a broom to a good match. Uh, so the, the one highlight of the match really was Sasha paying homage to her hero and mine, Eddie Guerrero. She did the three amigos, the three suplexes in a row that at the... Uh, Eddie used to do. Then she did the frog splash off the top rope. Um, then, in the end, you know they they wrestled back and forth for a while. Carmella's manager, bodyguard, whatever this guy is, got involved. Sasha beat him up. Uh, then it just ended with a bank statement, and Carmella tapped out. I don't understand why they had all the hype for Carmella coming back, uh, this big new character, big new angle for her, and then she loses her first big match back. She maybe should have went on like a tear through the women's division. There's plenty of women in that locker room that she could have wrestled on, you know, SmackDown and beat. And they could have brought in, you know, indie wrestlers for her to beat up on, cheat to win something, uh, but they brought her right in, she beat up on Sasha Banks for a few weeks, they put her in a big match with Sasha Banks, and she loses, now I'm glad they're keeping the belt on Sasha, because like I said, Sasha can carry a broom to a good match, and she can build other people up, even though she's beating them in the end, she can make them look good. I just don't think this was the place for Carmella. But this is why 
the ratings are crap with Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon running things the way they're running them. Get to that later, that's my big finale. So we had the Hurt Business versus the New Day for the Raw Tag Titles. Uh, representing the Hurt Business was Sheldon Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. These are two of the best athletes in wrestling, period. I don't understand why the WWE released Sheldon Benjamin when they did. He was just at the peak of his career, at the peak of his athleticism. And he showed that in Impact Wrestling or TNA Wrestling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think he may have had a little stint in Ring of Honor, too. Uh, but anyways, I mean, he it, it just a phenomenal athlete, legit college wrestler, uh, was tag team partner, not just Charlie Haas, who was a partner with Brock Lesnar in Ohio Valley Wrestling when he started out. Uh, and great, both great athletes, great wrestlers, legitimate wrestlers. Uh, the New Day, this was a, I thought this would be a TLC match, and it wasn't. It would have stolen the show had it been. Maybe that's why it wasn't. Because you have four phenomenal athletes, and they showed their athleticism. The New Days took to calling themselves Big Nat, Big Match New Day. Uh, I didn't realize there have been ten-time World Tag Team Champions, but of course now belts change hands like every other month. Of course, they, they've been champions for like 400 and some days, they pointed out, which sometimes that's a precursor to knowing somebody's going to lose. But they pointed out the New Day's lengthy tag team title reign before, and the New Day didn't lose, so anyway. The New Day started out dominant using great tag team technician type uh, strategy, keeping their opponents on their side of the ring, tagging in and out frequently, things like that. Then, of course, you know, the Hurt Business made their comeback. Uh, Cedric Alexander ends up pinning Kofi Kingston with, I call it a backcracker, they called it something else. But basically, threw Kofi up in the air, put his knees up, and Kofi crashed on Cedric's knees. Uh, Cedric got the one, two, three. So the Hurt Business are the new Raw Tag Champions. And that'll be good, because you've got on Raw, or no, did they? See, I haven't been keeping up, because it sucks. But, yeah, I think the other good tag team, Street Profits, are on SmackDown. Oh well. Uh, the women's tag match. <coughs> A match I really didn't care about. Uh, built right up to the last second, I thought, I didn't know who Asuka's partner would be. There were no you know subtle heavy hints or anything like that. People on the internet said it's going to be uh, Charlotte because it's just time for Charlotte to come back. And that's all well and good. It ended up being Charlotte Flair. Uh, for a moment, I thought it would be Kyrie Sane because she still does have a WWE contract. It's uh, like with WWE Japan, kind of like a relations, like a legends contract. But I thought because Kyrie has a bone to pick with Nia, she would come back. But it ended up being Charlotte. Charlotte also has a bone to pick with <coughs> Nia Jax. Now, Nia... <clears throat> pardon me. Nia uh, hurt Charlotte and put her out as part of a storyline. <clears throat> Unlike the people like Kyrie saying that Nia has hurt... And, you know, being a large person, I can sympathize with Nia 
but it bothers me when they call her the immo- or the irresistible force. She's not. She's the immovable object. But they don't want to hurt her feelings by calling her kind of a female Andre the Giant. But she got caught up real quick. She's still green. She's concussed people. She broke Becky Lynch's nose. Uh, you know, hurt other people legitimately. Uh, and that's why, you know, when somebody needs to get hurt and go off TV for a while, like they did with Lana, they have Nia Jax pretend hurt her because <clears throat> it'll throw the internet marks off the scent for a little bit because Nia's hurt, legitimately hurt so many people. Uh, this was just a good little match. I enjoyed it. I can't complain about it. It just... I don't understand when you broke up a great tag team like the Iconics and then you throw Peyton Royce who... The point of breaking up the Iconics was to give Peyton Royce a singles push and then you don't give her a singles push. You throw her... Put her in a throw-together tag team, I think, with Lacey Evans. And I don't have a problem with Lacey Evans, but Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans should be feuding, not in a tag team. If you're just going to throw Peyton Royce into another tag team, why not keep her with Billy Kay, who were a very entertaining tag team. They were starting to get better in the ring, and you break them up. What's the point? You had fire and desire. Mandy Rose... Uh, and Sonya Deville. Poor Sonya Deville had a horrible incident with a stalker for the two or three of you that aren't aware of that. Uh, she's doing okay now. The good, little, good little match. Good match. I can't complain about the match itself. All the women worked well. Uh, Charlotte and Asuka walk away the new tag team champions. Now Asuka is the Raw women's champion. So, she's now Oscar two belts, um, which is a great feat. Shows that she's one of the top people uh, in wrestling, especially in WWE. Uh, next, we have Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens uh, in the TLC match. Uh, like I said, Kevin Owens was going to carry Roman Reigns in this match. He was going to carry Roman. And he did. Kevin came out quick. He beat Jay Uso was out there right away, trying to help uh, Roman win. Kevin Owens got Roman Reigns down. Then he beat up on Jay Uso, hurt Jay's foot. Jay got helped to the back by the the ringside doctors and other people, whatever. And like next thing I know, of course, this is when. I started having technical difficulties and had to refresh and refresh my browser. Uh, next thing I know, Jey Uso's back out there. But the uh, distraction of beating up Jey Uso gave Roman time to get the advantage on Kevin Owens. And so the remainder of the match mostly was uh, Roman Reigns torturing Kevin Owens. Not even trying to really climb the ladder, just trying to, to hurt Kevin Owens. Uh, then we, all of a sudden, you know, Kevin Owens is making a slight comeback, and here comes Jey Uso out of the back. Why not just save him till like the middle or end of the match to help Roman? Because you know he's going to help Roman win. Uh, but my thoughts were like, why doesn't Kevin Owens have any friends? He's out there getting double teamed by these guys and no one comes to help him when it's a no disqualification match and his friends could have easily come out to help him just like uh, Jay Uso was helping his cousin Roman. That made no sense. But at one point it looked a little like uh, Roman did one of his two moves and speared Kevin through a table 
And then Roman rolled over and was selling. He's not a good seller, that's why I thought he legit hurt himself. He was holding his uh, shoulder neck area right here. So I don't know if he took a bad bump on the table and momentarily thought he hurt himself. Uh, but it, it was an okay match, nothing special. Um, it built up the sadisticness of Roman Reigns as a character, and I, that I like. Um, Roman won by a low blow on, of all the stupid things. All of the beating that Kevin Owens took, it's a, a, a low blow to the crotch that while Kevin's trying to climb the ladder that ends up helping Roman win. Next you had the Firefly Inferno match. Now I had no idea because I hadn't been following wrestling until tonight. Because there's nothing else to do on Friday, Sunday night, whatever night this is. I looked at this and I said, okay, I'm going to watch this show. Because a lot of good matches and kudos to the wrestlers. Not the writers, not Vince, not Bruce Pritchard. The wrestlers. They put on a great show for us fans tonight. And it shows you that the WWE right now has the best talent roster from top to bottom in wrestling. It does, I don't care about New Japan. I don't care about Ring of Honor. I don't care about AEW. From top to bottom, the, even the people you don't see every week on Raw and SmackDown, these are the best. And the people at NXT are even better than the people that are on Raw and SmackDown. And that's why I hate seeing talented people like Keith Lee get quote-unquote promoted. Because they go to the main roster and they get buried, but I'll get onto that later. So, with this Firefly Funhouse match, I didn't know what the stipulations were. Uh, I just knew that The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotundo, whatever you want to call him, is a creative genius. And since he's probably the main creative force behind this match, and he's going to have a lot of say in how the match goes, I knew it was going to be good. Uh, the goal after the match started, I mean, like, really after the match started, they announced that the, the purpose of the match is to set your opponent on fire. So The Fiend did his uh, impervious to pain bit. Randy was kicking him, punching him, and he was just standing there laughing, sticking his tongue out somewhat enjoying the pain and then all of a sudden pyro starts going off all over the thunderdome and i'm like what the heck is all this and like moments before that the announcers uh said the purpose was to set your opponent on fire and i'm kind of like how are they going to do that when there's no fire around the ring remember the uh kane versus undertaker uh inferno match from 20 years ago that's basically what this was, but it was like Inferno on steroids. There was fire all around the ringside area. At one point, Bray Wyatt set a belt on fire and was chasing Randy Orton with it. Uh, he swung at Randy and missed, of course. Uh, and then The Fiend doused a rocking chair in gasoline then he made a trail of gasoline leading to the rocking chair and he beat up on Randy Orton for a while and then eventually got Randy into the rocking chair and slowly but surely, as Randy's in there supposedly unconscious, uh, the fiend lights a, a Zippo lighter, really the really good lighters, and he drops it into the trail of gasoline that leads up to the chair and then at the last second of course Randy jumps out of the chair and a few seconds after he jumps out the chair catches fire blah 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 then you know they're struggling they're beating on each other outside the ring eventually Randy pushes the fiend into the flames and the fiend his entire back 
uh, his legs. He had his uh, leather trench coat thing on. It caught on fire. And then Randy's back in the ring and the Fiend is staggering around the outside on fire. Then as he's on fire, he jumps into the ring, chases Randy, and Randy RKO's him while he's on fire. Uh, then the flames go out. Randy gets a can of gasoline, and it's clearly a, a dummy, a mannequin, whatever, laying there in the ring, but they focus on Randy and this can of gasoline, and he pours it all over the fiend. And then he gets back out of the ring and gets a box, a box of matches. He lights a match and he watches it burn and burn and burn. And eventually he drops it onto the Fiend and the show ends with the Fiend in the ring on fire. Uh, I think that went a lot too far. Uh, kids watch this. They've painted this as PG TV uh, and I, that just went too far. You know, they, they aren't allowed to do pile drivers anymore. Uh, not just because wrestlers were getting hurt. In fact, it's been quite a while since a wrestler got hurt on a pile driver. Uh, but kids were doing it to each other and, you know, hurting. Even one kid killed a kid. Killed another kid. Uh, but this that, that was too far in my opinion, to pour gasoline all over somebody and light them on fire. Now, why would they do that? E even with this as an excuse, the USA Network has asked WWE to put in more adult content. I hope this doesn't mean we're going to get and we probably are. The stupid old degrading female bikini, you know, jello pudding pop matches uh, that we used to get during the Attitude Era. The problem with WWE right now, the ratings are dropping. Uh, AEW Wrestling's ratings are going up a little bit. But basically, WWE, Raw, and SmackDown ratings are coming down. And for the first part of this year, which has been a screwy year, 2020, obviously, uh, you had Paul Heyman in charge. And it was kind of getting better. It was getting more watchable. Young wrestlers were getting uh, pushed you had a guy named Aleister Black, who was uh, people felt he was going to be the new Undertaker because of his uh, ring entrance. He would come up out of the ground. You know, he would. Let me use this hand. You know, he would be laying down like in a almost like a grave, and you know, hydraulics would raise him up to where he was straight up and down. Uh, you know, he would come out to the ring, do a flip over the top rope and sit in the middle of the ring, uh, cross-legged. Uh, and he was just a phenomenal wrestler. And then Vince McMahon said, no, I don't like what's going on. I'm not amused. So we're gonna put Bruce Pritchard in charge. Bruce Pritchard was in charge during some of the lowest rating eras in WWE. The, you know, gobbledygooker, the, uh, what else was big back then? The goon. When everybody had a gimmick <coughs> or an angle of some kind, everyone that wasn't popular. But your people that got over at that time period were your people that were themselves. Bret Hart was always Bret Hart. And he was popular with the fans. Shawn Michaels was always Shawn Michaels. Popular with the fans. Over. Now, 
you did have people like Razor Ramon, who was actually Razor Ramon was um, Scott Hall's personality. The personality turned up to eleven, so it worked. You know, in real life, Scott Hall has owned strip clubs. In real life, Scott Hall has done a lot of drugs. He's he's turned his life around now, and you know, bless him, bless his heart. I'm glad he's still alive. Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. He was one of my favorite wrestlers. Going back to the American Wrestling Alliance (AWA), uh, I remember seeing a young Scott Hall looking like Magnum PI uh, coming out to the ring. And he just he just had it. He always had the ability to, to pull you in. But those are one in a, a billions in wrestling. Uh, the gobbledygooker. Well, the gobbledygooker was never meant to be a wrestler. Uh, Bastion Booger. He was actually a great wrestler at one time. <coughs> and they said, okay, you're going to be this fat guy that picks his nose and eats it or something. The goon was Wild Bill Irwin. He was a cowboy gimmick his whole wrestling career and was one of the most respected and best wrestlers out there. And they give him a hockey stick and a fake pair of hockey skates and say, you're the goon. Uh, You know, uh, Barry Darso was a Russian invader in the NWA. uh, And then he was one of the members of Demolition, the generic road warriors, as I like to call them. And all of a sudden, after Demolition splits up because they just had to split up, uh, Barry Darso becomes the Repo Man. The hell's a Repo Man? It looked like the, the Hamburglar on crack. And this is what, you know, Vince and... Bruce Pritchard think is entertaining. The only thing in that era when Bruce Pritchard was producing that worked was Undertaker. I didn't, it was so, Undertaker was so good and so over. I didn't know Bruce Pritchard produced a lot of his stuff. But As Mark Calloway, cigar break. That's Mark Calloway knocking it out of the park. Right now, I, I feel bad for WWE. I feel bad for the WWE universe. I feel bad for the wrestlers. And what can save this is Triple H. Right now, Vince needs to hand creative over to Triple H. They need to get rid of this huge writing staff that they have that knows nothing about wrestling. They need to go back to bookers. Triple H basically books and calls all the shots in NXT with some help from... uh, the Road Dog, Jesse James, uh, and a few others. Michael P.S. Hayes, the most glorified manager in wrestling history, to me, is not a great creative person. Bruce Pritchard, who was uh, awesome as Brother Love, is not a great wrestling mind. Uh, he might be good, you know, at being Vince's right-hand man. Uh, he might be good at some things in the wrestling business. He's very knowledgeable. I like his podcast. Uh, what was it? Something to talk about with Bruce Pritchard or something like that? I don't know. Uh, but anyways, I like Bruce Pritchard in that regard. But the way him and Vince are booking the shows is terrible. When Paul Heyman was doing the booking earlier this year, I, I saw a vision being built towards. 
I don't see that now. I see them just throwing shit at a wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, honestly, I like All Elite Wrestling better. I like NXT the best. And there are people in NXT that they say, Oh, Rhea Ripley, she's going to be the next one to get called up to the main roster. Sorry. Uh, but Raw and SmackDown are not the main roster. The best wrestling the most entertaining sports entertainment on television is NXT. And I feel sorry for Rhea Ripley with so much talent, so young, 24 or 25 years old, and not even at, at her peak yet. She could go to the main roster and get buried like Keith Lee did. Keith Lee is frickin' Dusty Rhodes' body with Rey Mysterio's athleticism. And he's a different kind of talker with a different kind of mic skills. Somebody that's very thoughtful and, and thinks through his promos. Like Jake the Snake Roberts did. The best promo guy in wrestling, maybe next to Roddy Piper. <clears throat> but they send Keith Lee back to developmental for more development. He only been on the main roster a few weeks. They changed his uh, ring attire a few times because that, that really matters. Keith Lee's a badass. And he was like the hottest wrestler on the independents before he got signed to NXT. And he should have stayed at NXT longer. Not because he wasn't good enough to be on the main roster. Because he was too good. And what happened? He went up there and got buried. And a lesser wrestler, that would have probably ruined their career. Keith Lee could go anywhere with the right booking, the right managing, and be great. Uh, he can come back to Raw next week, challenge Drew McIntyre for the world title in a face-versus-face match win the world title in a spectacular match, and no one would have a problem with that. Fans, at least, would not have a problem with that. Um, but the way that Vince and Bruce are running things right now, it's just like everywhere. And the USA Network has finally stepped up and said, hey, look, the key demographic that ad advertisers want are you're losing to... An upstart company called AEW. Your ratings are dropping. We said that when we started this big contract with WWE this time around, we wanted a minimum number <coughs> of viewers. I think it was like three million a week, and they dropped. They've dropped down now to a little over a million viewers. And I heard at one point they were at like five hundred thousand. And Raw has always had a problem, except during the, the peak of the Attitude Era. They lose uh, viewers in the third hour. People just get burned out. Now, people are turning it on and then flipping the channel from what the ratings are saying. They're not tuning in at the beginning of the show to see what's going to happen on the show, to see what the matches are going to be, to see what the storyline is. They're just not tuning in. They, they, they come come and go. Viewers just come in for a watch a little bit, then leave. So WWE needs to straighten up because this is the best top to bottom. Every wrestler on there is the best in the world. You know, there might be a guy here and a guy there. Uh, you know, there might be a couple guys in New Japan. There's nobody in Impact. There might be um, a guy or two in AEW that are better than some of the guys in WWE. But as a, a whole roster, this is the best assemblage of wrestlers ever. I mean, better than the rock and wrestling era, better than the Attitude Era, and their ratings are going to crap. I love Vince McMahon. I'd love to thank him someday for the, you know, 
39, 35 years of wrestling entertainment that I've had. I've watched it since I was like five or six or some years old. I don't know. But it's like, I don't want to watch this anymore. Tonight, the wrestlers put on a great show for us. But it was like, eh, am I going to turn in... Tune in to Raw tomorrow night to watch <clears throat> what came out, what comes up next. No. I'll watch the next quote-unquote pay-per-view on the network. And I'll watch some old matches. I'll watch some of the original content on the WWE Network. But I'm not going to sit through three hours of Raw when they're just throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, not watching, you know, two hours of SmackDown so they can throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. Um, now, honestly, I'm not saying this because I'm a guy. I will watch the women's matches. There are some guys' matches that I'll watch. I'll watch Drew McIntyre. I'll watch Keith Lee at wherever he turns up next. Um, <clears throat> but overall, I'm not going to sit through a two-hour show of them just throwing things around to see what sticks. So WWE needs to change. Triple H needs to be in charge. Um, Bruce Pritchard got to go. Paul Heyman should have never got to go. He should have. He should have. He had a vision. He told Vince, "It's going to be six months or a year to get everything to where I want it." And at the six-month mark, Vince just pulled the plug, and now it's went. Because Vince wants to entertain Vince. It's terrible. So, overall, I give this pay-per-view a thumbs up. I think the wrestlers did outstanding for us fans, but there's nothing other than... I don't have cable TV... I don't have my Hulu subscription right now, so there's nothing else to do on a Sunday night than watch wrestling. And I did, I was entertained by the wrestlers. The matches were great. But the overall, the, the storylines that led up to the matches were null. There was zip, zilch, nothing there that made me say, ooh, I'm looking forward to this. And there's nothing going out of this that makes me say I'm looking forward to what comes next. But it's a kudos to the wrestlers that can put together matches and say, here's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Because each match is its own story. And you have the best talent roster you've ever had in the history of your company, yet your ratings are the lowest. So it's not the wrestlers. It's the, the people running it behind the scenes. Anyways... Hallelujah. Holy poop. Where's the time of them all? See you next time, guys. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Pray for each other. Hey, I just sat here and talked about wrestling for an hour. <laughs> Kudos to me. Bye-bye. <laughs>